0: Kerner, and you're listening to the solo nerd podcast today i'll be speaking with the creator and writer of the comic book daughter of wolves issue number one currently on kickstarter tristan vick welcome tristan
1: hi thank you
0: well thank you for joining us but outside of my introduction who is tristan vick and what are you about
1: okay (laughs) well uh i'm a traditionally published author uh my um First novel series, uh, Bitten, it's a a zombie apocalypse series, was bought by Permuted Press in 2014 and published through them. And and then uh, from there, I branched out and started uh, publishing my own stuff uh, just through indie publishing, -publishing, self-publishing, using um, uh, Amazon's platform for Kindle, KDP, and back then it was still Create Space. They had they because Amazon owns a whole bunch of different companies. And so I started with Create Space and then it got folded into KDP and, and and now it's now they're gonna do the same thing with Comixology as well. They're gonna fold that into KDP. So um yeah, just Amazon's eaten up the whole ecosystem. <laughs> but uh but I found a, a, a modicum of success uh self-publishing more more than being traditionally published. And then uh, from there I decided, well, my dream was to make comic books. So why not just branch out even further and start writing comics? And and so I, I did a, I did one of the short stories in Marcel Dupree's uh, Speed of Light comic. I don't know if you can see that. I can see. Yeah, uh, it's just an anthology, a black and white anthology of sci-fi stories. And I had one of my stories picked up in, Published by him and um, Evolution uh, Publishing, and uh, that gave me the motivation to kind of you know just say, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my own comic book now, and uh, so I used my tax return, <laughs> I used the whole tax return from last year to just basically fund uh, the creation uh, and and paying paying artists for cover work and and. Interior work, and just getting lots of alternate covers and getting it like ready to go to print. And I have like I have the book like ninety nine percent done, um, and it's just basically waiting for me to format it all, get it ready to go to the printer. So yeah, it's 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 coming along nicely, and and the Kickstarter itself is doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it didn't take off it didn't take off as like i expected but it's had the most steady uh, climb in sales and it's over 90% funded now and we have uh 15 days to go so that that makes me happy because i think that that uh, end goal is very achievable
0: wait well, yeah um so you mentioned that you published your books traditionally first through a like a publishing company and then you yeah. ventured off independently and uh I think you're being a little modest about it because I saw on your website you got like these all these two different series that you just spoke about and then you had like 14 other published works that you had as well I was like that's a yes that's a lot when did you when did you start because I just started my own I only did two do KDP and that's been uh-huh. like the last five years but when when did you start your your journey in uh, like
1: uh in publishing pretty much your own work uh 2014 was when i first began uh i published a indie novel called the scarecrow and lady kingston which is uh just like it i originally wrote it as a pitch to image comics uh and it got rejected and it's just about uh, two Los Angeles police detectives, but one of them one of them is a living scarecrow, like from Wizard of the Oz, or you know, you just have one of these uh, quirky supernatural elements to it. And it's a it's a zany comedy, and I thought it would be perfect for a comic book, but nobody wanted it, so I uh, I turned it into a novel. So, uh, like I was gonna do a whole series on it, but I just turned it into a novel. And it's just it's just like a whole bunch of running gigs and jokes all strung together in a and a kind of a, a, a low level mystery. Uh, and it's a it's an open-ended mystery. So like when you're reading it, you kind of know what's going on as the audience, but you're learning along with the characters what's happening. And it, it caught the eye of one of the editors at Permuted Press. They didn't want that book personally, but they they liked it enough to say, hey, do you have something else that we could look at? And right at that time I was, just experimenting with writing a zombie story because you know I've never written horror or anything like that and and so I was just uh toying with the idea of it and just playing around and I, I had about half a novel written and I was like well I could tighten this up and make it into an actual novel and and they said well The Walking Dead is really popular right now so we want a whole series and I was like oh wow a whole series <laughs> okay well I, I only planned it for one book so so I had to like Kind of think on my feet and, and uh i decided instead of doing like a direct series i'd just write several different novels focusing on different characters all in the same universe or the same world uh but at different moments of time in different areas of of the zombie apocalypse and and so that's kind of what it became and, and then um and then at, in around 2016 uh permuted press said the the sales weren't what they were expecting so they canceled the series on book three even though they had they had basically purchased uh five books from me mm. and uh because they they didn't publish the last two in the series that they bought uh they they breached their they breached their own contract um uh, which was uh, there, there's there's clause. there was a clause in the contract saying, upon failure to publish, rights revert back to the author. Um, so all rights reverted back to me. and and then I decided, well, I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna republish this series the way I, I I saw it in my mind, you know, and and so then I republished it in 2016. And at that time, I had finally gotten to the point where I felt my writing skill was, Ha- or had become good enough for me to write what I saw in my mind. Mm-hmm. Because before that, I was just, it was all just practice for me. It was like, uh, I've never written professionally. I've never really done any plotting or any um, character development. So, like, all those books are very rough around the edges because that's just kind of me learning uh, by trial and error le- and learning the ropes as I go. Um, and then, I decided, well, I had this idea in my mind for a long time for like this gladiator space saga, like a space fantasy type thing. And so I, that's my Jagra series and it's a sci-fi, it's a big long novel series. So I think every book is around, is over 120K words. So 120,000 words. And the last one ended up coming out to like 134 or something. But uh, and there's six books in that series, and it was just it's it's just my uh, that was my passion project, and I poured all my energy, soul, and everything that I had into that series, and then it ended up not selling great. Um, the first the first book does okay, but the rest kind of you know it has good reviews, but it's just it's just a weird genre. Like, mm-hmm. people don't read space gladiator stuff these days. It, it has, it's more of a throwback to the, you know, the pulp sci-fi of the 30s and 40s and uh, go, going all the way back to, like, John Carter of Mars and, and things like that. So, um, uh, Northwest Smith and and uh, adventure heroes that, you know, traips about in space. And it has more in common with uh, ro- uh, sci-fi romance, which doesn't mean, uh, like, romance in the uh romance novel sense but romance in the adventure sense like romancing the stone that 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 title refers to adventure not um classical romance so so it's like uh it's the precursor to space opera and so what i like about that is that's kind of where star wars fits in it's 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 adventure and fantasy kind of getting shoehorned into uh, an aesthetic of science fiction but it's not pure science fiction and it's not pure fantasy. It's somewhere in between the two. And so I I had a lot of fun telling that story. But again, it's just something that I guess a lot of people aren't into or it's such a niche genre that it just never got the traction that I thought it would. I like it. It entertains me, so that's good. Um, And then then from there, I was like, well, the only other thing that I really wanted to tell was this (laughs) story that I had churning in the back of my mind about Little Red Riding Hood teaming up with Dracula to beat up a bunch of werewolves (laughs) and I was like well how do I tell this story you know it's so it's so like quirky and weird that I don't think it would translate into novel form very well and so I thought well I'm I'm gonna do it as a comic book you know Um, I'm gonna make it I'm just gonna do it myself and and see if I can kickstart it and get an audience for it. So that's that's what that's basically how Daughter of Wolves came about.
0: Well, yeah, that kind of makes sense that it would translate better as a comic versus a novel because, um, yeah, yeah, because it's such a weird concept. Like, there's been stories written about Little Red Riding Hood, I guess going rogue. I guess you can say that. Um. But how can you tell it differently than the people before you, you know? So this is the way that you, you're telling it from a different perspective uh, through your words and visually as well. And like, I introduced used another two creators who um, talked about like a mummy apocalypse. And it's like, you normally hear about zombies, you normally hear about um, like uh, werewolves, uh, vampires, but like, Going into the territory of mummies, other because then you immediately think of the movie The Mummy, the one from nineteen ninety nine, not the Tom Cruise one. Um, so like, how can you tell the story again? And like, like I just said, they're they're telling it through a different medium that would I guess would be easier to digest than if you like wrote it out into a novel. So yeah, it it definitely makes sense that you would go this route versus. The original one that you did before. Um, so you pretty much answered a bunch of my questions already. <laughs> um, so how has your journey been finding and working with collaborators on Daughter of Wolves? Did you notice much of a difference between writing and publishing a, a novel and versus writing and publishing a comic book with your collaborators?
1: Um, In terms of collaborators, novels are pretty self-contained. You might, it just might be yourself and and one editor. That's basically how I do all mine. Um, I was lucky enough to have made some contacts when I I was published with Permuted Press, and the editor that worked with me there, I I really ended up liking her. So I asked her, I asked her after I, I left there, I said, would you be willing to continue editing my work? And she said yes so i was lucky with that respect and so it's been a very uh like a per- personal collaboration because we kind of are on the same wavelength and understand each other and understand like w- what my style and what i what i what i can do and what i can't do well and and she has good feedback and she can kind of uh home the story more towards the, uh, the commercial aspects um that i might not see personally uh may, uh to make it appeal to a broader audience. Um, the the comic book stuff, the collaboration is much more of an ensemble because you have a lot more people giving it their, their feedback. And, and especially in and are sharing, you're sharing the creative vision with the artist because even though I might write something on, on the page, uh, for example, um, my artist is Von Randall, and and I asked him to draw in a more um, manga style than he was traditionally used. To. I mean, he 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 had that style a little bit already, but I told him to push it more, um, and he did for this series, and it came out brilliantly. Um, some of the best artwork I've ever seen, bar none, and that that's like the industry overall. He's just he's just a mean uh, lean mean drawing machine. And uh, I love every, like every panel that he does, it's like, that's how I saw it in my mind. So he just enhances the the story because he he has this very dynamic style that gives the angles and the energy that you want from the story like this. And, it, and the thing is, he came up with a lot, like I explained that my main character is, uh, her name is Akane. And so she obviously has a Japanese influence and, I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind she's of Japanese descent and whatever and that's about as much as I ever mentioned in the script and then he went on uh, he went on uh, he went on to draw her in a kimono uh, and uh, the mother in a kimono for like the opening uh, flashbacks flashback like the first the first I think 18 pages are just the the flashback of how she becomes who she becomes as a little as a little kid uh, her first confrontation with a big bad wolf in the woods and and uh her family uh being murdered by this uh this monster and then it attacking her and then she and this is this is a minor spoiler because it's also the premise of the the book which is is stated in (laughs) on the kickstarter but she herself gets bitten loses her arm and so she's um she's afflicted with the werewolf curse so she herself is a is a lichen she herself becomes a werewolf and um, but she chooses to stay in her human form as much as possible, and then she gets a robot aesthetic. Uh, she has a robot uh, arm, and I for for that I just thought, well, you know what? I'm gonna go with like this rice punk retro future because I, I like I like a lot of manga, and a lot of manga is like that, like One Piece and Naruto, and a lot of series have like these sci-fi elements in there their worlds where the worlds are like almost classical time periods but with a lot of more um, modern modern aspects to them like you never think about it when you're reading Naruto because it just feels like maybe an an age-old ninja fable but then there's like power lines everywhere and they have working electricity and, and, and there's vending machines in that series and you're like what is this It's just a, it's a, it's a interesting uh, mesh. And I didn't know what the term for that was, but it's rice punk. It's a, it's like the, the Asian version of steampunk. And, and one, one piece is also like that. Um, There's weird technology and stuff that shouldn't technically exist in a time of pirates, but he did little things that I didn't even ask in terms of like, he gave the wolves, (laughs) he gave the werewolves this like classical samurai armor. Um, that they're wearing, when I imagined it, when I wrote the script, it was like, I was just thinking of furry, furry werewolves not really wearing anything, but that's basically been done today, and, and so his, his just his idea to make them fit the, the rice punk genre more by giving them something like samurai armor, just that, that feeds into kind of a military, right, they're like nice, or maybe more uh, dangerous, uh, what your typical werewolf would be, just a one-off supernatural thriller story so so that gave me that gave me some um his his imaginative his, his imaginative take on the werewolves gave me an idea to like that I incorporated later on in the story I was like as I was writing it because I wrote out all six issues there's going to be six volumes if this does well I'll continue it on and each one's a 64 page comic with like extra content at the end to bump it up to 80 pages so each each one's basically a graphic novel um and i just i did it that way because um the story i wanted it to have this epic fantasy feel like and so you can only do that with longer stories overall and he was he was willing to put in the hours to draw all the pages so it was like well if he's if he's willing to work with me on this then we can just tell the whole story Uh, whether or not people begin buying it so um it's just a passion project that I just wanted to do so but yeah it's just a lot of different things to 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 make it come together but you're you're relying a lot on that other person in the collaborative sense entrusting them with like your your baby and saying here can and and then they're giving it back and it has all these amazing tattoos on it and you're like wow my baby's all tattooed up now (laughs) looks nice though and And uh, he's just enhancing everything, just like but in ways that I didn't originally intend or or think about. And it just kind of it kind of gels. And when you work with someone, like he's really responsive. He's I've worked with other artists um on other projects that I have i I tried to make my Jagra series into a comic book and worked with an artist who was not at all re- uh, responsive to a lot of my um requests. And so I decided to put it on the back burner because some of the things, some of the changes I asked for never got made. And it just wasn't to the quality that I I was uh, hoping it to be. And so that never got released. And, you know, you put, you spend several years and time and energy and blood and sweat and tears, and then you, you, you look at it and go, I did my best, but this, this, I can't sell this, you know? can't sell this to anyone and then you feel terrible about it because uh so that that's one project that I did that I think failed before it ever even got off the ground so maybe one day I'll go back and uh, revisit that but right now all my my energy is tied up in this um series and then uh in terms of creating a collaborative team that's a lot more difficult that took me uh, just getting the contacts for artists and um, following them on Facebook, following them on Instagram, and then um, kind of watching who who was advertising open commission slots and stuff, and seeing who was available. It took it took new, uh, a number of years to find the right guys. I think it took me because I started I started um, I, I had written the first three issues of daughters, Daughter of Wolves about two and a half years ago. And so I'd been looking for the right fit for over a year before I ever found Vaughn. And, and then it was just a matter of emailing him, seeing if he was available, and when he agreed to do it, what his schedule was. And then once we started going on it, I think we were halfway through the book uh, before I found the colorist that I wanted to work with. Uh, and the colorist is Omi Remelante. He's the main, um, he's the series colorist for um, Vampirilla. And he's done. He's done um, several of the Red Sonia series um, books. So he's kind of. He's he's already working in the industry, but he's still f- technically freelance. So once he finishes a book, you know, or that series finishes, or or that series gets canceled, then he's available. And I caught him at the right time, and asked him to come aboard, and he agreed. <clears throat> so yeah. So and then and then. Uh, <laughs> Just working with the colors, like um, sometimes he'll send me back some of the flat, the pages that have been flattened, and that's where all the colors are just laid down, like filled in just solid without any um, without any shading or, or highlighting or any of that stuff. You just get this basic, and some of the color plates weren't working for like uh, my Zarna character. She was wearing pink, and what was happening was her colors were clashing with. Akane's colors because um, Akane wears a lot of uh, pink and red. And so they were like, um, depending on where they were in the foreground or background, they kept blending too much whenever they were in a, a scene together. And I was like, I need a contrasting color, not a blending color. So I, I asked him to change Zarna's um, outfit, <clears throat> uh, the color of her outfit to like um, army green. Or forest, forest green, and it created that contrast. But he had to go back and recolor three entire pages that he'd already finished. And so I felt I felt bad for doing that. But um, but I all but when you create your own series, you also have to be the editor of it. You can't just you can't just be like oh every page is awesome. I'm just gonna accept it as is. You have to kind of take a step back and scrutinize it a little more and go you know okay now that this is here what's working what's not and also, as the creator of the book, I have to, you know, talk to the artists and talk to the colorists, and 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 be be honest with them and say, hey, this, this isn't working, um, or or this needs to be changed. And there was there was one funny thing where uh, I'd written I'd written a transition scene, but the transition like happened over a couple of days, and I didn't really make that clear in the script. And so I had to actually go back and say to Vaughn, you know, I messed up in, in terms of the writing. I wrote this page this way, but it just doesn't work because of the time jump that I was doing. So I have to rewrite this page and he, he had to redraw an entire page for me. And and so I felt bad about that. But But it's good to, one thing I would say, it's good to have some time to look at your book once it's done. Like, I think finishing it before the Kickstarter ever began was probably the right choice for the, at least for the first book, because then you can iron out all the kinks uh, and, and double, double, triple check everything before it goes to the printers versus, you know, running the Kickstarter only with some preliminary, preliminary art and then having to like rush to the finish line to get it out to backers by the time you promised. so. Just uh, I would say give yourself more uh, leeway when, when you have a when you have a team that you have to work with because there's going there's there's going to be communication delays there's going to be family emergencies like over the course of a year lots of things happen to take either uh, my artist or my colorist out of the project for an entire months at a time so so you have to give yourself enough space versus writing a novel you have full control over the time to the the limit of that because you can like quickly just write it out and then uh whatever your schedule is you can just churn out that that novel but uh because it's not dependent on anybody else getting their their work done so yeah but you just have to be more patient with a collaborative work and but 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 i feel uh i give my artists entire control like i don't say it has to be this this way like if a design's not working, I kind of go, well, can we try this? Or can we try this? But I don't, I don't really give them too many guidelines. I give them the basic description and then I let them run with it because I want that, I want that creativity to flow. Yeah, that makes sense. I I
0: think from what I can tell when I read um, people's Kickstarter pages, I think they do things maybe halfway in the beginning. Before they start, because it might be a a financial thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. they like they need the money just so they could pay their letterer or to pay their uh, their artists, so they can continue to do the work. Because you know people should be paid, and they don't want to do a whole project and then it doesn't end up getting funded, and then they don't end up getting paid. So I I think that may be why that. I mean that makes more sense to me. But what you were saying before, having it actually finished, makes more sense. But when I look at, like I said, when I look at people's pages and a lot of their um stretch goals are, you know, paying people, mm-hmm. but you know, for completing the project, even if it's not finished yet, just to have them paid because I think that's a really big thing. Like you said, you had an issue with an artist when they weren't getting back to you um quick enough. But if you work with them the one time, you still had to pay them. And it's like, I paid you and you're not getting back to me. Now I got to solve yeah. all over again as well. So that might be another issue. Um, what advice would you offer to other writers? You wish someone would have told you when you first started. So this can be when you first started publishing your own books. This can be when you first started uh, writing your own comics.
1: OK, they're 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 completely different mediums, but even though they share similar aspects for novels, I would say just do the work, like just get the pages done. Try to find a schedule that allows you to write, even if you have to wake up at like 6 a.m., 5 a.m., uh, like before the kids get up for school or whatever, just get the words down. And if even if you just write 200, 300 words a day, which is only like a couple pages, If you do that every day, by the end of the year, you have a full novel. So it's just it's just sticking with it, right? Um, and and with the comic book stuff, it's a little bit different. Um, they're much quicker to write because the scripts are much shorter. Usually comic books are 24 pages, so well, I write longer ones, but um, but it's it's quicker to in their script form, they're more like a movie script. So it's basically just dialogue and then short, short scene descriptions. So it's much faster to write. But I find that taking a step back after you've written it, waiting a couple of days and going back and reading it again, lets you see all those little things that aren't working. and And also um, for creating a team, it just takes a long time. So if you're planning on doing a comic book, um, don't be afraid to reach out to artists and email them, but you have to you have to be really polite and understand that. Of, especially with freelance artists they're usually working multiple gigs at the same time so you just have to be patient in waiting for replies but once they do reply then you can start moving along at a brisker pace um also the the biggest thing that helped me in finding people was ArtStation, the web the website artstation.com it's just like a giant portfolio website where the top artists post their best works. And then a lot of them will have a contact section. Some, some blank it out so you can't contact them because they they might be busy working for a game studio or, or someplace and they don't want to be bothered. But the ones that are freelance and need the work will put their emails on there and you can email these people. And um, that's how I found Vaughn originally. And then I, I just found him on ArtStation and then I just started following him on his Instagram and and just watching and and there was something about his art that just really caught my eye and i didn't know what it was at first so then i said can i hire you for a commission and i had him do um, like a double page spread of action scene of my jagra characters from my sci-fi book just to see what it would look like and and he did it so well (laughs) it was like wow uh i want to work with this guy but this project's basically done. That would have been an alternate cover for that series, the one that ended up not coming to fruition. But but um, just having that artwork was just amazing to me. And it's something that I'm probably going to print out one day and just put on my wall. But um, then I thought, well, I definitely need to work with this guy on something before he gets snatched up by one of the big companies, you know. And, and so that so then I was like, well, okay, I'll put him on my... Little Red Riding Hood project because I I think that would be a good fit, and it, and it was uh, he liked it a lot, and and one of the one of the things I think is also I don't tend to write the stereotypical superhero story, that's big in that's big in American comics, but when you look at international comics, and especially manga, it's other genres that seem to uh, flourish and 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 do much better. Uh, science fiction and fantasy are really big in manga, so the the superhero stuff lesser so i mean if you think of the two main um manga series that have like superhero focus it's a one punch man and my hero academy but other than that there's really not a superhero focus even even dragon ball z is more oriented towards um like chinese mythology and and whatnot it does have like a superhero vibe to it but that's that's not what it's really about. So um, I just I, I kind of wanted to tell a story that's not, you know, spandex and tights and that that because that, that stuff doesn't necessarily interest me like it did when I was younger. Like when I was a young kid, I, I, you know, I would read Spider-Man religiously. I'd read the X-Men religiously. But but nowadays, that's not the stuff that interests me. So I want I want more, richer storytelling and I want something different, something that has something that you haven't seen before. And so that's what I'm trying to produce with daughters of wolves
0: yeah i think a lot of people are more interested i guess in the darker stuff in a way or exploring the so-called villains of certain stories like their backstories or revisiting these these tales that they were raised on but maybe learning about the characters from a different perspective in a way or if you know Say, like you little red riding hood, like I said, goes rogue and does something else. You know, after her, I guess her grandmother's eaten, or um, she didn't kill, they didn't kill the wolf, they went and did something else, or you know, it, it's just from a different perspective and going down a different trail than what we were olig- originally taught as kids. So I think a lot of people are more and more interested in stuff like that nowadays. So yeah. I think this will do really well. I mean, it's already doing really well on your Kickstarter. So I, I, it, that should be a telling sign, and this will be really well for you. Um, my last question for you, Tristan, is what is your idea of success? I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether because this career can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote
1: success? Just getting the book made. <laughs> it's very simple. Even if I'm in debt at the end of it, like the, the idea that I put something out there into the world that has a chance to become its own thing to maybe, even if it doesn't do well now, maybe who knows five years, 10 years down the road, it gets, somebody notices it that really loves it. And it develops a fan following just to get it done, get it completed and get it out there for audiences. I think that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest success you can have because the people who don't get it done, who don't finish it or who never achieve their goals are the ones that aren't successful. So like the, the whole idea is, as long as you get it done, as long as you stick with it and believe in yourself and believe in the project, then then I think that's the biggest success that you could have.
0: Okay, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to push about Daughter of Wolves, uh, Issue Number One? Maybe the uh, rewards or
1: for potential backers. Um. Yeah. Well, it's I. It's my first Kickstarter. And so what I did was I just studied other Kickstarters and saw what people were doing, but for rewards it's 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 pretty light this time around. Um, we have uh, there's of course there's for each tier there's a different cover. There's ten different alternate covers, and you can get all of those as add-ons as well. So you like you could order like the one the one cover you like, but if you didn't want to buy like the 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 set of all the covers, you could just go pick the other one extra cover that you like and add it to there without without breaking the bank um then there's there's prints if you order like if you get the books themselves they'll come with mini prints like the six by nine mini prints but if you wanted a bigger uh, i put i'm putting them on b4 size paper which is actually i have a one printed off here on that size paper so like if you wanted a b4 size print that's this size right so it's Uh like an actual poster that you could stick on your wall and here, yeah, this is this is John Royals' art. Um, he's the GI Joe cover artist for IDW. So um, he did a cover for me, and um, that's going to be available as a print uh, that you can add on. And um, if if it, if the, if the book gets to I think the second stretch goal, then the prints will be made free for it, for all backers. Um, and if you've ordered the print, you'll just get extra. Like, if it's if the print is made free, but you've already ordered it, you'll just get an extra print with that. So, um, and then um, there's keychains that I had made. Uh, so, uh, like this is a uh, one of the keychains, and it's just the right size to fit in your pocket. Like I tried a couple different sizes, like too big and it's weird, and too small and it's too. This is like the right. This is the sweet spot size. So yeah. This is the size I decided on. And and there's going to be um, uh, different uh, the stickers. I have stickers. Um, this is this is my uh, publishing company's logo, but I'm also going to have character stickers, which you can see. I have some printed off somewhere, but I don't know what I did with them. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stand up. Ah, oh, here. So um, this is this is one of my uh, for a different character for a different series, but uh, this is my Jager character, but just holographic stickers like this die cut stickers uh-huh. um of the of the daughter of wolves characters and i have the i have the uh regular non holo foil versions of those somewhere around here but um yeah i was just uh printed some off to see what the quality was um i'm using uh, sticker uh sticker mule which is just a website that does stickers and stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and then right now i'm looking for a new printer because my the, the old printer that i had hired ended up getting backlogged and uh can't can't meet the quota by the date that i need so i'm looking for a new printer at the last minute so that's that's always a hassle but
0: yeah i've heard some issues with people having you know people having issues with their printer because of the backlog because of covid so yeah, yeah i've heard about that
1: yeah so anyway it's just an ongoing uh, other other rewards um we're going to have uh, uh t-shirts that's going to be one of the um, um one of the one of the stretch goals is going to unlock two different types of t-shirts there's going to be a hollow a trading card things things like that so yeah
0: trading card sounds nice i'll be interested in something like that All right, again, I want to thank the creator and writer of the comic book Daughter of Wolves, issue number one, currently on Kickstarter, Tristan Vick. I highly recommend our listeners to give the Kickstarter a look, share, and our back if they can. All of Tristan's socials and website, if you're interested in knowing more about his sci-fi collection, will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link. Again, I'm KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdberg podcast. Thank you.